Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, as always, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And if you weren't able to join us earlier in the week, this is the second part of our series of diving into the offense and the defense and focusing in on each positional group and an early prediction of where I think the final 53 could come from. Who makes the roster? Who doesn't? Earlier in the week, we focused in on the offense, quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, the offensive line, and of course, the running backs. But today, we're going to look on the other side of the ball and the defense. So we're going to go from the interior D-line out to the edge rushers, move our way back to the second level, and then towards the secondary. But before we get rocking and rolling, wanted to let you guys know that our this episode is brought to you by our partners at Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including MLB odds, MMA, NASCAR, golf, tennis, and bets, also including NFL futures bets for all you guys who want to get your early bets on potentially Washington winning the NFC East this year. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get in the action. Bet online, where the game starts. So let's jump right in to the defensive line. We'll start in the big boys up front and work our way back. And for me, really, this group is pretty much figured out as of now. There's really nothing crazy that's going to change from now into training camp, into the preseason, into the regular season. Maybe in case of injury, knock on wood, something happens there where there needs to be an addition made. Someone needs to be brought up potentially from the practice squad. But right now, the DNs, it starts with Chase Young and it starts with Montez Sweat. This is how this team was built over the last few years with those two edge rushers being able to consistently push the pocket. And really, they could hold the key to success for Washington this year if they're able to both stay healthy for a full 17-game slate or more if they were to qualify for the playoffs. And potentially, and something that's been overlooked with these two, because the potential has always been there, but they've both yet to reach that 10 sack mark during a season. And I know sacks aren't everything. We talk about pressures. We talk about pressure rate. We talk about quarterback hits, TFLs, ability to work in space over running backs are running out to the flat and running out on, on screens and making plays on the outside. We've seen Chase do that. We've seen Montez do that range back even to the second level or range down running backs. We've seen them do all those things. But Washington didn't draft them to range back and make plays 20, 30 yards downfield running down a running back, right? Drafted them to get after the passer, bend the edge, whether they're working to the outside, working to the inside, countering the counters of, of offensive linemen. Montez and Chase will continue to draw the attention for opposing teams if they aren't able to consistently push the pocket and fail to live up to expectations, there will be an effect all the way back to the secondary, which we will talk about in a little bit. But up front, it's easy pickings, right? It's Chase Young, it's Montez Sweat. 
But then you look at the guys behind them and who's going to work in rotationally. We'll talk a little bit about in a minute from the interior with the losses of Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle and the addition of Phil Mathis as a second round pick. But on the edge behind Montez and and Chase, you got guys like James Smith-Williams and Shaka Tony and potentially William Bradley King and Bun Mirotimi. All these guys have kind of been thrown into the fold. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Casey Tuhill, who actually had some success last year. A lot of these guys are battling for snaps. But for me, I have six guys that are on my list right now that I think will make this roster at the DN spot. And it starts with Chase and Montez. And behind them, it is Casey Tuhill. I think he's a veteran addition that this... Jack Del Rio wants back this fall. I really like Shaka Tony. I'm going to expand on him in a minute. So Shaka, Shaka, Casey, Chase, and Montez right now. And then I think F.A. Obata, he's been in the league too long. He's got his connections with Ron in Carolina, and then he had some success last year in Buffalo. He's another veteran addition, just like Casey, that will be able to also play some interior if he has a slide in side and then come to the outside and play five tech or align as a wide nine rusher outside the shoulder of the tight end. He can do a little bit of a couple different things for you along the interior D-line. And the final guy, I think it's going to be a battle. And I do have James Smith-Williams making the roster as someone out of NC State. He's been in the league a couple seasons now and has shown some improvement. Not just saying he doesn't have, you know, he's not getting a lot of reps, hasn't gotten a lot of snaps at the edge spot. He's worked a lot on special teams thus far in his two seasons in the league. But Washington did spend a late day three pick on him, and he's progressed nicely as someone that could work into into year three as a nice rotational piece behind the pop of Young and Sweat. And if Casey Tuhill were able to provide you maybe three and a half, four and a half sacks this year, maybe in some cleanup duty if Washington is able to blow out some teams and get some reps there and keep guys fresh, keep guys healthy, then guys like Smith-Williams able to work into more of a role and more snaps and with more snaps becomes more of a comfortability at the edge spot and adjusting to the speed of the NFL game, especially when you have somebody like Smith Williams who hasn't had that much experience yet at the NFL level. So again, my six DNs that will make the roster for me right now as we sit here in July, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, James Smith Williams, Shaka Tony, F.A. Obata, and Casey Tuhill. And the guys I'm leaving out right now are Bun Mirotimi, William Bradley King, and Jacob Penasiak, who was a UDFA out of Michigan State. So with that positional group finalized, I wanted to jump back and talk a little bit more about Shaka Tony and his potential in year two. Because year one, especially in the back end of the season, is someone that ex- really excited me when you saw him rushing the passer. Someone, whether he's aligned in a two-point stance or he's aligned like Khalil Mack and getting both hands in the dirt in a four-point stance, looking up at the ball and just firing off the line of scrimmage. And he's, he went extremely overlooked in last year's draft. Remember, he was at that Penn State Pro Day when Micah Parsons and Odafe away, who were both first-round picks, obviously Parsons to Dallas, away to Baltimore. Shaka Tony was an outstanding athlete and showcased extremely well at Penn State's Pro Day as well, but it wasn't it was overshadowed with those other two's performance. But with Shaka coming in and working along the likes of, with along the likes of Chase Young 
Montez Sweat, all the names along the front four. And again, we'll get into the interior guys in just a minute. But someone that has that potential coming from a legit Power 5 program and a program that has produced a ton of talent, just not only just the last few years on the defensive side of the ball, but even years back. I know a lot of you faithful out the Burgundy and Gold faithful out there remember LeVar Arrington, a stud linebacker for Penn State that then was ridiculously good for Washington at the second level and a captain of the defense alongside Marcus Washington and Michael Barrow in years past. But Shaka Tony and his potential this year, it does get me extremely excited. Whether he's a third down DPR, DPR I mean designated pass rusher, so someone that's going to come in and looked upon in a one role variety and it's going to be able to push the pocket. Whether he is that this year or he gets some early down work, I don't see him right now as a three down guy to come in and earn reps over Chase or Montez if he continues to start, you know, continues to flash both in the run and getting after the passer. But who knows? And we know that Ron Rivera wants competition. And Chaka Tony, what he showed last year and now looked good in spring workouts, and then hopefully he shows it into training camp, into the preseason and then moving into the regular season as someone that isn't just a primary third down DPR, but someone that can potentially work in to a three down role if needed, if your studs up front were to go out in any capacity. So from there, let's move in to the interior D-line and talk about the big boys and cannot mention them without talking about John Allen and the season that he had last year. And I'll be the first one to say that I... I wanted to be proven wrong by John Allen in these last few seasons because I thought he was overvalued or a little bit overrated, to be completely honest with you guys, as far as his impact in the interior as a first-round pick out of Alabama. By no means was he bad, but I wanted to see more from him. Not just being able to push the pocket, but holster against double teams two-gap if they need him to. He showed that ability at Alabama to slide up and down the defensive line and claw gaps in the run game, wrangle guys behind the line of scrimmage, do a lot of different things. But this first few seasons in Washington showcased that a little bit, but I wanted to see more and I expected more. But this past year, Jonathan Allen was absolutely outstanding. He was one of the best interior defensive linemen in all of football. And to be completely honest again with you guys, he really was deserved of an all-pro selection. And I know a lot of the names are, you know, across the league from teams that had better records and more success usually get those accolades. But Jonathan Allen, in my book, was a top two or three interior defensive lineman last year. Doubled hit totals in quarterback hits, had nine sacks, 10 TFLs. Now, granted, it wasn't his highest mark in TFLs. He had 11 just a few years ago. But his highest ever mark in QB hits was 15. Guy had 30 last year. So obviously he's starting to figure it out along the interior. And that's one of the things that I try to remain, have a long-term vision when you're taking these guys so high. Because everyone talks about Washington's defensive line. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Deron Payne, John Allen, all these guys are first-rounders. Well, are they playing like first-rounders? John Allen played like a first-rounder last year. Chase Young played like the number two overall pick in 2020. 
But if all of them are able to mesh and potentially reach their performance ceiling altogether in one season, then you could potentially start to see that elite group form. And I'm really excited if they can all do that this year because the guy right next to John Allen is in a massive, massive season, and that's Deron Payne. And his outlook this year is really up in the air for me because he has been disappointing in my book, and that's a reason why Washington and Martin Mayhew took Federian Mathis out of Alabama this year, someone that's proven to get after the quarterback in the SEC, the best players in the country, has been for some time, and his potential ability to come in and start alongside John Allen if need be, if Duran isn't able to meet expectation. Now remember, Washington in the last few years started to trade away Duran last year for Matthew Stafford, this year for Russell Wilson, and it hasn't worked. They haven't offered him a contract extension. I'm not sure if they want him back in DC. This could be his final prove it season to then say, hey, you know, we gotta, we gotta get you out of here. We're bringing in someone else in the form of Phil Mathis. But the biggest thing for me along the interior is that there is no Matt Ioannidis and there is no Tim Settle this year, which makes me a little nervous considering that there is no big time depth to keep people fresh, especially considering the prowess of some of the offensive lines that Washington will face and specifically in the NFC East with Philadelphia's group up front. They got Jason Kelsey, they have Leonard Dickerson at left guard. Then you look at Dallas and you're dealing with Zach Martin. There's some big boys up front and you want to keep John Allen and Payne healthy and we'll see how much snaps or the workload that Mathis works into this year, but you're not drafting a guy in the second round to sit and hold a clipboard. You're not doing that. He's going to be on the field for probably 50 to 60% or more of the defensive snaps this year, and he's going to be expected to get after the quarterback and be able to clog gaps, whoever he's working alongside. If Washington just wants to run their typical two defensive tackle sets and a typical 4-3 even front defense, or they want to throw in three big boys and throw you know two stand-up edge guys and get a little 5-2 look or a bare front look like the Green Bay Packers like to run with Kenny Clark anchoring the middle. But I, I'm actually really intrigued with the depth behind them and it's up in the air right now who's really going to be there for me it's david bada who was an international pathway program for them and it's daniel wise who also has that outside three tech five tech versatility and i just don't know if he's going to get the job done in the interior so this could be actually a spot where if washington were to add potentially a veteran from another team that were to get cut i would not be shocked if they did that but Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle, their departures are massive for this team. And that really puts the onus on John Allen and Payne and Mathis as three guys where that's probably going to be their main rotation this year of who's going to be up front playing one tech and three tech all season long. But I do have five guys making the roster outside of those three that I just mentioned. So the two that I do have making it are Daniel Wise and David Botta. That's what you got depth-wise, and that doesn't move the needle for anybody, but Tyler Clark is your other option, and he was a practice squad kid that was on the Chiefs for a little bit, and I, not in any case would I want him working into potentially substantial or even depth reps right now for Washington. Could he be a practice squad ad? Potentially. We'll see. But right now, it's Allen Payne Mathis, Daniel Wise, and David Botta. 
as my five D tackles, and I think they will most likely dress three on game days with Alan Payne and Mathis with Wise usually in street clothes, unless they believe that, like I said, he could play kind of that inside out versatility along that defensive line. So five guys for me along the interior defensive line. Moving our way back, this is where the roster begins to get both interesting in the worst way possible and interesting in the best way possible because I think there's a lot of shuffling still to be had within the linebackers, safeties, and who ultimately aligns on the outside at corner, both as starters and as depth guys. But let's talk about the linebackers, and it starts with Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb. I've talked about Jamin a lot in prior pods, but year two is massive for him. And I hope you guys out there are still on the on the train of supporting number 52 into year two. Because for him right now, and looking even back to year one, he was a bull on China shop. And a lot of the time we saw his numbers looking back to the All-22. And just you look at the game against Las Vegas. You look at the game against Philadelphia where things started to come around for him. But in the early portions of the year, it was a lot of times where he would see a gap. He would fly through it. And all of a sudden, crap. The play's seven to nine yards behind me. Now I'm trailing, and all you can see is number 52 in the back of his jersey heading you know, back upfield towards his end zone. So a lot of the time for Jamin last year was a learning experience. But you have to believe that he's going to get right working under Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera as two former NFL linebackers themselves and working alongside a guy in Cole Holcomb. Whether Cole plays the middle linebacker spot remains to be seen, but I want you guys also to understand that the middle linebacker spot, that Mike position, is a position that is starting to become extinct in the NFL because of the different variations of schemes and concepts that defensive coordinators want to run to counter the offenses and pass-happy offenses of today's game. And just to look at the Buffalo nickel spot within Washington's defense is a perfect example of that. But I don't believe that Washington will deploy a true Mike linebacker this year and limit Cole Holcomb to a John Bostic role of just potentially filling in the run and garnering tackles. Alex Singleton did that for Philadelphia last year. And granted, he had a ton of tackles, 90 plus tackles. But He's now in Denver, and he's looked upon as one of the worst overall linebackers in all of football and someone that you don't want anchoring the middle of your defense. Cole Holcomb, I want him on the outside making plays. I want him buzzing out on running backs and on tight ends. But if you limit him in the middle of that defense, and then you have Jamin on the opposite side, and whether you want to throw in a Kalik Hudson or Derek Forrest as potentially a linebacker, as a weak side linebacker or a Buffalo nickel as kind of that thicker body that Landon Collins had. And he, granted, Landon is now gone, but looked better towards the latter half of the season, becoming more comfortable at the second level. But you didn't draft Jamin Davis in the first round to be limited at the second level. I want him roaming around as well. I want him to be able to cover people. And the biggest thing that we saw of him coming out of Kentucky was obviously his tape against Florida and him running the seam against Kyle Pitts, the number four overall pick in 2021 that had a standout season with Atlanta and is already one of the most dynamic weapons in football. We didn't see much of that 
speed and pure athleticism from Jamin last year. And when we did, it was at the wrong times and he was in the wrong place. And once he begins to trust his eyes and he plays slow until you know, and I've said that a lot. I know you guys that are dedicated listeners to the podcast, you understand what I'm saying, slow till you know. But for Jamin Davis to staple it across the front of his helmet in training camp, let it process before you overreact and find yourself out of position. You got all the athleticism in the world to run sideline to sideline. You need to drop your hips and work back in coverage, whether you're in robot or you're working just back in zone and you're filling right above the tight end and work downhill and make plays on the football. He can do everything at the second level, but it's just everything coming along neck up for him. And once that begins to start to click, I think that Jamin Davis will be not a outstanding linebacker down the road, I think he will be an above average to potentially one of the better linebackers in the near future in the NFC East. By no means do I expect him to be even the London Fletcher type or Bobby Wagner or modern day NFL linebackers that we see that are able to run and cover and come downhill like a Matt Milano in Buffalo or Luke Keekley with Ron Rivera worked with him in Carolina. That type of linebacker, I don't see that. Now, granted, Wagner and Keekley are potentially two of the best linebackers to ever play the game. And in my book, London Fletcher as well. But you draft a guy in the first round, you have a lot of expectations for somebody. And year two for Jamin is a massive, massive season. But outside of Cole and Jamin, I do have five linebackers making the roster. Outside of Cole and Jamin, it's Kalik Hudson, David Mayo. And just like I have at the interior D-line spot, I potentially think that Washington could add a veteran at the linebacker position. I don't know who that could be right now, but there's always surprising cuts to make people fit across the league as we work into late summer. But right now, I do think Washington will roster five and dress all five, especially considering that Kalik Hudson could do a lot of different things for you on special teams as well. I don't know if he's a pure linebacker right now, or he's that Buffalo nickel, or he's just a special teams ace. I was extremely high on him when he came out of Michigan. He played that jack spot in Jim Harbaugh's defense, very similar to what Dax Hill did this past season, first round pick for the Bengals in April. So his skill set remains intriguing to me. I just don't know where he fits in right now on defense. and. David Mayo actually took snaps from Jamin Davis last year at the back end of the season, which made me worrisome. It probably did for you guys as well, especially at the back end of the year when Washington wasn't playing for anything. And a veteran journeyman like Mayo taking snaps from your first rounder at the second level. I mean, we saw Jamin Davis aligning as a five-tech designated pass rusher like Micah Parsons has for Dallas last year at times at the back end of the year. And just made you sit there and think, what the hell is going on? Well, what are we doing with Jamin Davis right now? This is the time where he's going to learn. Just throw him under the fire and let him learn. But David Mayo is taking snaps from him. That made me worrisome. But I expect him back. He's a veteran at the second level. Kind of that John Bostick type. I don't think he's even close to the player that John Bostick was. But he's a veteran and can tackle. And he also offers you some special teams value. And you always need some of those core glue guys in the locker room that have been around a while. So... For me, over the, going over the linebacker position again, Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, Kalik Hudson, David Mayo, and an unknown name 
right now for me. So five guys in the linebacker room. Guys that I do not have making the roster, three notables, Milo Eifler. As you guys know, he was the infamous no introduction name on Sunday Night Football against Dallas. Farad Gardner and Trey Walker. Those are the names, three notables that I do not have making the roster. Some of those guys are probably going to be practice squad additions. And I do think Drew White could also be another practice squad addition as a kid out of Notre Dame. So from there, let's climb our way back to the secondary and a unit that I expect to be a lot better this fall. However, on paper for me, I expect some changes at the cornerback spot. And it starts with Kendall Fuller. And has he shown the ability to be a good NFL corner? Yes. In his first tenure in Washington, he aligned at nickel. And in my opinion, it was one of the better nickel corners in the NFL because he was able to consistently get his hands on guys, reroute them, use his short area quickness, and be able to make plays on the football. Then he departed for Kansas City, had his success there, and then came back to Washington. And since he's been back in D.C., he's been on the outside. And you look back to last year, William Jackson was obviously the prized free agent acquisition that they had opposite of him. But if you're able to slide him into the nickel spot and allow him to be comfortable where he is, now I have some concerns about his lower half mobility and his ability to consistently reroute people that he was so good at doing in his first tenure in Washington and in Kansas City where the pressure really wasn't on him that much because Kansas City's offense was putting up 35, 45 points a game, but he didn't have that luxury in DC. So if you're able to slide him to the inside, allow William Jackson to work opposite of now Benjamin St. Juice, who you drafted in the third round out of Minnesota last year. Granted, he dealt with some concussion issues last year, but he's expected to be fully healthy for training camp. 6'3", long, aggressive, physical. He showcased well in minicamp, now fully healthy, working against guys like Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown now in year two, and first round pick Jahan Dotson. His ceiling is extremely high if he's able to stay healthy because as we know, the best ability is availability. And Benjamin St. Juice has to stay healthy for this core of corners to be able to reach their performance ceiling. Beyond those three is actually, I, I feel fine right now about the depth at corner, but there could be some changes as far as who plays where. If you guys kind of catch my drift here with the names that I'm about to get into and beyond Fuller Jackson and St. Juiced, I do have Danny Johnson and seventh round pick Christian Holmes making the roster. I don't think Christian is going to be a cut by any means. I think he showcased well in rookie minicamp. I think he looked good at OTAs and I think he will continue to improve within a veteran corners room with Jackson Fuller here and have been in the NFL for a while and ability to learn under the tutelage of those guys and as a special teams ace and someone that's extremely athletic and long and physical. He's not Benjamin St. Juiced, but Oklahoma State had one of the best defenses in all college football last year. Now granted, the Big 12 usually don't associate big time defenses with the Big 12. It's usually you turn on your Saturday games and it's 65-60 Oklahoma over Baylor. But Oklahoma State had one of the better defenses and had three guys drafted outside of Holmes and linebackers Malcolm Rodriguez, who is with the Lions, and Devin Harper, 
who's with Dallas. But as, as experienced as Washington's secondary is, even though Benjamin St. Juice is obviously just moving into his second season and coming off a rookie year where he did have concussions, and he did show some success. I mean, he started week one against the Chargers. Now, granted, the Chargers wore him out, working opposite of Mike Allen, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. But my questions right now start at the nickel spot. And I don't know if it's if Danny Johnson is the answer because a few years ago it was Jimmy Moreland. And I know a lot of you guys out there like Jimmy Moreland. He was a local kid from James Madison, a ball hawk, charismatic personality, someone that showcased well in the preseason and then showcased well into the regular season as a day three pick. But I like Danny Johnson. He's been here a long time. He's competed on special teams. But for me, I got William Jackson on one side and I got St. Juice on the other and I'm sliding Kendall Fuller into nickel. Because behind Danny Johnson, you're working into your CB4, CB5, potential CB6s. We know that those guys are ever important in today's NFL because of how pass-happy NFL offenses are. You have to have five, six guys that you can roll out consistently that are able to play man and play zone consistently and with some prowess and coverage and make some plays on the football. How many times in years past we sat here watching third and eight, third and nine, third and 10, and teams are just running 11 yard hitches and turning at the sticks in the first down. Got to get some corners in here that can play a little bit beyond your starting three. And I do have Danny Johnson making the roster. Christian Holmes, I do have making the roster. I was extremely excited even last year to look at a guy like Tory McTire, who unfortunately ended the season early with a season-ending injury, and I thought he could play. He competed all training camp long, busting his tail in drills, individual seven-on-sevens, 11-11s. He consistently stood out. But injuries, like they usually do sometimes, for Washington, come back to bite Washington in the backside. And Torrey was someone that I thought had a lot of value, both as that back-end corner, CB5, CB6, and as someone on special teams. You can throw out at Gunner and rely upon him to go down and make some plays consistently. So for me, I do have five corners making the roster. Kendall Fuller, William Jackson, Benjamin St. Juice. Those are my three base starters right now. With Danny Johnson working over the nickel a little bit and Christian Holmes as someone that is that back-end CB6 and someone that's going to get a lot of reps on special teams. So from there, I want to move on to the safeties room and discuss a group that I'm extremely excited about. I think it's going to be one of the deeper position groups that Washington will have this year on offense or defense. I think their deepest position group right now is either the receivers room or you could even argue that the tight ends room is pretty damn deep or running backs. But the safeties room with, I got five guys, Bobby McCain, Cam Curl, Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, who they just drafted out of Louisiana Lafayette. And I got Jeremy Reeves. Troy Apke is not on my roster. A lot of you guys have heard me talk my opinions on Troy Apke. Ron Rivera called him a special teams ace a few seasons back if he's a special teams ace we're all special teams aces i'm not keeping a guy in the roster because he can run 4-2 in a straight line you can go down the street and find guys that can run fast in a straight line 
I want football players on my roster. And to me, Troy Apke has a long, long way to go as a football player. And for a roster that can't afford to just put players at the back end of this defense just because they can run 4-2, and that's pretty much it, and I guess they look quick in uniform, I don't see how that makes sense at the back end. So Jeremy Reeves makes my roster someone that consistently in the last two years has made a ton of plays and done a lot of different things at the safety spot. Very similar to Cam Sims on the opposite side of the ball to where his limited impact, when he's on the field, he makes plays. Jeremy Reeves has consistently done that and been really a fan favorite over the last few years at the safety spot. He'll come down and play corner. He's not afraid to get physical and put his face in the mud in the ground game. I think Jeremy Reeves is one of the more underlooked players or has been for some time in this Washington roster and will battle his tail off during camp to earn that final safety spot and be able to dress this year. So my five safeties are Bobby McCain, Cam Curl, who remains one of the more underrated safeties in all of football. People talk a lot about Jeremy Chin and even Kyle Duggar in in New England as recent guys that have come into the league, but Cam Curl has been dynamic since he's come in from Arkansas and deserves a contract extension. You just signed up. You just re-signed John Allen last year. You just re-upped with Terry McLaurin. Cam Curl could be next as a dynamic, physical, aggressive safety that deserves his, you know, deserves the Brinks truck backed up for him in due time. So him, Percy Butler from Louisiana Lafayette, a rookie. I like him a lot. Um, Extreme range. I don't know what his role is right now. He worked a little bit. Buffalo Nickel during spring um, workouts and and into mini camps. I don't know if that's his exact role as we move into the regular season because I could see someone like Derek Forrest or Kalik Hudson working that right now or even Benjamin St. Juice if they don't see him as a starting corner just they need him on the field I could see them doing that that's kind of what they did with Landon Collins last year but Percy Butler is going to be a special teams core player I'm not going to use the term ace because that all it makes me want to think about is Troy Apke um, I like his skill set extreme range like a center fielder just think about him like Willie Mays Ken Griffey Jr. Roman from left center to right center, making plays, high-pointing the football. You could bring him in and do some different things in sub-packages, let him get some reps and get his feet wet at the NFL level. Um, I'm looking forward to Percy Butler's progression into the next few seasons, but I think this year is going to be more of a trial run for him on the back end. And then Derek Forrest, someone that I could see playing that Buffalo nickel spot as well, second level, third level, special teams guy again that he's done last year. Um, He's an impact guy in the locker room, a charismatic individual that I know personally that has rave reviews inside that locker room as a core glue guy, kind of the character individuals, a culture changer that Ron Rivera has spoken highly of over the last, since he's been in Washington, his first day changing the culture. Derek Forrest is one of those guys as a former standout at Cincinnati. And then Jeremy Reeves. So five guys, my final list, McCain, Curl, Percy Butler, Derek Forrest, and Jeremy Reeves. And I do not have Troy Apke making the roster for me. I do have him as a cut prior to week one. So that's the defense. And from there, I can't leave out the specialty, the specialists. Tress Way, one of the best punters in football. And I say that with a grain of salt just because if you have a great punter 
usually your offense isn't that great, and that's really been the story for Washington over the last few seasons since Tressway has been here. But he is one of the more unique punters in the league. As a left-footed punter, you don't see a lot of them out there. You see a lot of guys when they're trying to return punts from Tress have issues. They muff a lot of punts because the ball spins a different way coming down off the foot of a lefty. But I mean, Tress Way is a community guy. He's burgundy and gold through and through. You kind of think about these core Washington athletes. You think of Ovi with the caps. You think of guys like Ryan Zimmerman with the Nationals. Tress Way has just been a burgundy and gold Washington athlete through and through and just professional to the core um, he's he's just one of the best punters in the league it's just no, no way of getting around it and I'm excited for him to be back again even though the last few seasons I've seen the departure of Dustin Hopkins and Nick Sundberg that trio was here for a while and now Tress Way is really that last standing member of that trio but you got Tress Way at punter kicker is Joey Sly he's back on a legit one-year contract. I don't think they're going to have a competition that they had, quote-unquote, last year when Brian Johnson was even town a little bit. That got really messy. And then long snappers Cameron Cheeseman, who did a great, really great job in his rookie season when they drafted him out of Michigan. Usually you don't see teams spend picks on long snappers, but the position does matter. If you, a lot of you guys out there remember years back when only Washington's Pro Bowler one season was Ethan Albright. It matters. The position does matter. And we saw his kind of first moment shine when they beat the Giants on that Dexter Lawrence offside call, that re-kick for Washington to eventually you know, win the game. And he was clean all year long, no issues, and he'll be back in year two to kind of lead uh, that unit. So three specialists, Cameron Cheeseman, pretty simple. Cheeseman, Hopkins, and Tressway. So that's the full roster. Again, we did the offense earlier in the week. Check that pod out. Oh, as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I am off on vacation for the next two weeks. So I will be back uh, about the 25th of July, right before camp starts on the 26th for Washington. Remember, guys, the camp is not in Richmond this year. Camp is in Ashburn this summer. So if you can, try to make it out there as much as possible. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. We're going to have a bunch of stuff coming out with special guests coming on the pod as we move into the summer months and into the regular season. Just keep a lookout for names like James Smith-Williams and Natalia Durantis, who is the coordinator of football programs for the Commanders, are going to be hopping on the podcast in the near future. So lots of big things planned here as we move in to the summer training camp and towards week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So as always, guys, thank you for tuning in. When I get back from vacation, it is full steam ahead into training camp. I'm extremely excited to share this journey with you guys as we head into the 2022 regular season and the first season of the Washington Commanders. So again, guys, appreciate you guys tuning in. And I will talk to you next time. This is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.